Good morning. I'm here to speak. You're here to listen. My prayer is that we both finish at the same time. But as Shane said, we're continuing on in the series that we've been in over the last several weeks on Bible heroes. And the hero we're going to be talking about today uh, is really one of my favorite in the Bible. And I know that uh, others of you here feel the same way about Nehemiah. It's a great story. And hopefully his study in adversity will be a great uh, benefit to us and an encouragement to us as we see how he reacted as he went through difficult times. We look around us and we see ourselves in times of great economic uncertainty. Many of us have really been affected by what's going on around us. Uh, many, either in here or in our neighborhoods around us, <clears throat> excuse me, have lost their jobs. If you haven't lost your job, you might be in a situation where your hours have been cut back, and so your pay has cut back. There's so many different things going on that could be affecting us. You may not be in a time of adversity right now, but I don't mean to be a downer. At some point in time, you will be. Uh, even if times are going well right now, uh, there will be a time when things get difficult, when obstacles enter your path, when it gets difficult just to survive. And the, the reason that we're talking about this today is to prepare for that. If you're not going through a season of adversity right now, God's blessing is on you and we're glad for that. But be prepared. If you are going through a series of adversity right now, hopefully what we're talking about will be of great Help to use it, something that you can grab onto, walk out of here and use it. In my position on our church staff, I have the, the honor is really what it is every week to see the prayer requests that you put on your uh, on your connection card, as, as Shane was just talking about. Uh, we on the staff take those very, very seriously. And it's a great way for you to communicate with us what is going on with your life. How can we? Pray for you. And as I look at these uh, prayer requests each week, I know that there are people that are sitting here right now that are hurting. There are people who have relatives who are hurting. And so uh, while many of us are struggling, and if we're not struggling, we know people who are struggling. Um, this message is really going to be one of hope. For all of us who are trying to endure seasons of adversity in our lives. This morning we're going to continue the series by looking at Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was a Hebrew servant. And what we're going to be looking at is how he, as he was listening to God, God gave him a goal to do. And how as he attempted to achieve that goal, how he overcame a great deal of adversity in his life to be successful for God and to be successful for himself. For those who are not familiar with the story of Nehemiah, we turn the clock back to about 444 B.C. Uh, a long time ago, and a surprise to some of you, I was not there. 
but I do know now. I do know somebody who was. Um, Nehemiah lived in a town called Susa, and <clears throat> Nehemiah worked for a foreign king, a Persian king by the name of Artaxerxes. And Susa was about a hundred miles away from Jerusalem. Well, at this time, we find the city of Jerusalem almost in ruins. Um, About 150 years earlier, the Babylonians had captured and destroyed Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, and had razed the city. And that included uh, tearing down the temple that that, uh, King Solomon had built and also tearing down the walls that protected the city. Over time, the temple was rebuilt. And as, as we see where we are in Nehemiah right now, the temple has been rebuilt for a period of about 60 years. So the temple is rebuilt, but there's no wall around the city. In ancient times, that wall around the city was the only protection that they had from the outside world. So with no wall, they were completely open to the uh, to the joust and the attacks of their enemies. And uh, it probably won't surprise you to know that at that time, just as today, Judah and Jerusalem were surrounded on all four sides uh, by enemies who hated them very, very much and wanted nothing other than to see them ultimately exterminated. Unfortunately, you know, I think the unfortunate irony is 2,500 years later, we're still in the same boat. Israel you know, is a country of about 6 million people, about the size of the state of New Jersey, surrounded by enemies who want nothing more than to annihilate them. And so this is where we find ourselves uh, today. Uh, I'm going to show you a photo uh, of Nehemiah's wall. Uh, this is not a story that we're talking about. This is not a fable that we're talking about. This is history. And uh, Nehemiah's wall, or at least portions of it, still exist in the old city of Jerusalem. And that wall in the section that we're looking at here is just about 2,500 years old. So we find ourselves, the city of Jerusalem is in shambles. It cannot protect itself. Uh, Nehemiah is a Hebrew, is a Jew, but he's living far away. He's probably never even been to Jerusalem before. Nehemiah was uh, what was known as the cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes I. And while on the surface being a cupbearer might not sound like a very important job, it was one of the most important jobs in the kingdom. His primary job was to taste the food and the drink of the king before he ate it to make sure that somebody wasn't trying to kill him with poison. Uh, Likely not a bunch of people standing in line to take that job. But that was his job. And because of what he did over over the years, he built a very, very good relationship with King Artaxerxes. And so um, Nehemiah had a brother who had been in Jerusalem, who had been in Judah. He returned to Susa to talk to Nehemiah and explain to him the desperate situation that the Jews found themselves in, in Jerusalem. And as I said, this was not a big surprise. Uh, this had been 
uh, Jerusalem had been in, in, in this state for about 150 years. But Nehemiah's reaction was very interesting. He began to really weep for the city of Jerusalem. He began to weep for his ancestors that who had returned uh, from the Babylonian exile to Jerusalem. Well, he knew about it, but why all of a sudden now, why all of a sudden did this impact Nehemiah? Have you ever been in a situation where you were suddenly touched, likely by God, informed about a need that had been there for a long, long time? It had been in existence, but you weren't connected with it. All of a sudden, for whatever reason, God connects you with this problem and you begin to feel things that you never felt before. You want to help out. You want to do something. This is where Nehemiah found himself at this time. He knew the, the, the situation in Jerusalem. It was no surprise to him. But God miraculously touched Nehemiah and moved him to do something about the fact that these walls in Jerusalem were down. And, and he uh, really took this personal. He spent a long time uh, crying and in prayer. I know sometimes personally I struggle with my prayer life. Sometimes uh, I go through dry spells where I feel as though my, my prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. I don't know. Perhaps you have been in that situation before and you wonder, well, is what I'm saying getting through to God? Are my prayers and my thoughts really being communicated to God? Well, Nehemiah, we're going to learn as we walk through his personal journal today, um, was really a man of prayer, and he really had a good idea on how to pray. A couple series ago, Pastor Randy led us through a series on how to pray and how to pray effectively. And hopefully this will be sort of a refresher for those of us who were able to sit through that particular teaching and learn from Randy. Let's um, go to the, the first chapter of Nehemiah and get a glimpse of Nehemiah's heart uh, as this need in Jerusalem has been brought to his attention. He's praying to God now, O oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Uh, your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you and have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws you gave your servant Moses. He started off by recognizing to whom he was speaking. Sometimes in my prayer life, sometimes when uh, I'm not seeing the results that perhaps I should for my prayers, part of the reason is I start with my agenda. God, this is what I want you to hear. This is what I want you to do for me. Here are the list of things, and certainly I want you to come with me, but you know, let's get after this and get it done. Nehemiah took a different tack. He took the time to really think about who it was he was praying to. He set himself in the right frame of mind. He remembered that he was speaking to Creator God, to the God 
that made everything to the God that controls everything. And he put everything into that perspective. As Randy taught us in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, that's how he established that with him. Remember who you're praying to. So as we go to God in prayer, before we get into our laundry list of things that we'd like God to do for us, remember who we're talking about and put ourselves in the, in the right frame of mind for that prayer. Then he did something that is far too often missing in my prayer life and perhaps in your prayer life as well. And that is the idea of confession. He confessed his sins before God. Before he began to pray for the people, he was taking care of the sin in his life. And one of the things I like about this prayer of Nehemiah, as I said before, Nehemiah never lived in Judah. He never lived in Jerusalem. So it would have been easy for him to say, pray, I pray for those evil people, in Judah, who brought all this bad stuff on them. I mean, it would be easy for me to pray for this congregation and say, oh, Lord, be with them, forgive their sins, forgive where they have failed you. That's an easy thing to do. But he drew drew himself into it. Pray for our sins where we have failed you, where we have fallen short. 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sin then he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, what does that mean? What happens if we don't confess? What happens if we go to the Lord with unconfessed sin in our life? We may not see the results that we would like to see out of our prayer life until we are right with God, until we have cleaned that slate between us and God. God forgives our sins, but he wants us to ask for this forgiveness, so that then he can follow on and ask. When sin is confessed, God is free to act in our lives. So Nehemiah in his prayer does a couple great things. He recognizes who he's talking about, and he sets the, uh, the record straight in terms of his sin, and he gets his account cleared with God. As you walk through Nehemiah, which is really a personal journal of Nehemiah's uh, journey, There are at least 12 different prayers uh, that we see. And not only is the book of Nehemiah a success story and a construction project, but it really shows, uh, as we've been singing this morning, about the faithfulness of God, about the trustworthiness of God. If we go to God and if we allow him into our lives, then he will allow us to be successful. What was the goal that God had placed on Nehemiah's heart? I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to rebuild this wall that has been down for 141 years. I want you to go and take care of that. That's what I want you to do. This reminds me of a great quote uh, from a 19th century American evangelist, Dwight L. Moody. As he's laying on his deathbed, uh, surrounded by his sons, he gives them some very sage advice. He says, if God be your partner, make your plans large. What wisdom. If God be your partner, make your plans large. Don't be satisfied with little bitty things. Don't be satisfied with baby steps. Nehemiah really was adhering to this advice many, many centuries before it was actually given. He knew that God was on his side and his plans were indeed 
large. Not only was the wall around Jerusalem about two and a half miles in circumference, but uh, it was surrounded by people who wanted nothing more than to make him dead and to make him unsuccessful. Our partnership with God brings hope for us even in the most desperate of situations. Now, isn't it good to know that we're not the only ones who face trials that may at times seem to be insurmountable? Sometimes we feel like we're on an island, that it's only me, it's only my family that's going through these situations. But we, knew, uh, we know from the example of Nehemiah, and what we'll learn is this combination uh, of prayer, diligence, and hard work blended together for a really, really successful um, result. Nehemiah at this time had been praying for Jerusalem for a period of four months. Uh, sometimes, uh, I know speaking for myself, if my prayer isn't answered tomorrow, I get frustrated. Is God not listening? What's the problem? God wants us to continue in prayer. The Bible tells us pray without ceasing. And Nehemiah did this. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed for the people of Jerusalem. And up until this time, he'd done a good job sort of hiding uh, the way he felt from the king. But one day, as he was serving the king and the queen, the king noticed that he was sad. And the king commented to Nehemiah, you're not sick, but I can tell from your face that something's wrong. What's up? What's going on? Today, we'd be excited about that if our boss really cared about what was going on in our lives. But in Nehemiah's case, because he worked for the king, he was scared to death. Why was Nehemiah afraid? Because if something displeased the king, if he didn't like something, if he didn't like somebody, that person could be killed. If something frustrated the king, something made the king angry, that could be the end for that person. That was probably Nehemiah's first thought. Oh, no, I've offended the king. Um, but he continued on in faith and he explained to the king the situation in Jerusalem and what was wrong. And the king answered him in a way that I think Nehemiah actually expected. The king didn't say, well, that's nice. You know, we'll, we'll pray for them too. The king said, what can we do? What is it that you want? Now the opening has been laid. And uh, Nehemiah did what uh, we should do in situations like that. He stopped and he said a very quick prayer to himself. He didn't pray out loud, but uh, I can just imagine uh, he might have prayed, God, just please give me the words that you want me to say. I know that in my life I've done this many, many times. Um, if somebody asks me a question and I want to make sure that I give them a good answer. If I'm getting ready to make a big presentation, I might just quickly say a prayer. Lord, help me. Give me the strength to do what I needed to do. But Nehemiah, Nehemiah went a step further. Nehemiah included planning with his prayers. Nehemiah included planning with his prayers. When the king gave him this opening, he was ready. He wasn't going to waste it. We can see from his response that Nehemiah had been thinking about this for quite some time, hopeful that when the occasion arose, he might be able to actually talk to the king 
about this. So when the king gave him this opportunity, he said a quick prayer looking for strength from God, and he outlined what he needed. He's got to travel 100 miles from Susa to Jerusalem through hostile territory. He's going to need protection. And so he asked for the king to give him letters that would protect him so that those around him wouldn't uh, try to kill he and the people that were going with him. He thought about that. He knew that when he got to Jerusalem, he was going to need raw materials in order to rebuild the walls, in order to rebuild the gates. So he asked the king for help with that. He was very, very prepared uh, in what he needed to do. The king asked, how long, is, how long do you think you're going to be gone? He even had an example of that. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is crucial to the success of any venture. But God also expects us to be faithful in doing our part. Uh, in James chapter 2, we see a situation where uh, a group of very pious religious people see a need and they begin to pray and they pray that you be warm and that you be filled. But that's where they stopped. Wouldn't it have been better if this group had done something to help these people be warm, to help these people be filled? What would have happened if Nehemiah had taken the tack I'm going to pray that somehow miraculously the walls of Jerusalem are going to be rebuilt. And he stopped there and didn't put feet to his plans, as it were. Maybe even more important to us, what would have happened 20-something years ago if Pastor Randy would have listened to God but would have said, God, please, I want to pray for a church that you want to plant in Diamond Bar. But he continued to do what he was doing. What would have happened had he not stepped out, had he not been prepared, had he not planned and put feet to his message? I think many in here lives would be very, very different had uh, he not done that. And so um, Nehemiah was ready to take that next step. It's important to pray for people, but where God calls us and where God challenges us, it's important for us to pick up and go and do what he wants us to do. But something else often happens when we seek to do God's will. Again, in Nehemiah's case, building the walls of Jerusalem. And that is, we will encounter opposition. Why are we so surprised when we encounter obstacles while seeking to do what God has tasked us to do. We just seem to be, uh, I'm doing your will, God. I'm going where you want me to go. Why is it so hard? Why is this happening? As I said, Jerusalem was surrounded on all sides by enemies. And as you read the book of Nehemiah, you see many, many times where these enemies are taunting Nehemiah. You've got to quit what you're doing. You've got to quit what you're doing. We're going to come. We're going to wipe you out. They were making fun of what he was doing. The opposition was growing, and it began to affect the people. How did Nehemiah respond to this opposition? Well, as we get to know Nehemiah better and better, the first thing that he did was he prayed. Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, verse 20 tells us, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, 
will start rebuilding. The more progress they made on the wall, the more difficult it was, the harder the opposition became, the more the adversity was. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you really feel like you're doing what God wants you to do, and it's just obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, and it can be very frustrating to you? Why do you think that happens? When we're not marching towards a goal that God has established for us, when we're marching to the beat of our own drum, we're not really any challenge to Satan and his demons. But when we begin to do the things that God wants us to do, we need to expect that the opposition is going to pick it up, is going to step it up and try to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. It's when we begin to make progress that this opposition will start. But Nehemiah didn't do what some of us do, what I've done in days gone by. Try to wish it away. Try to think positive thoughts. Uh, One of the phrases as I was growing up, don't worry, be happy. Well, and there, you know, there are are full theologies about that right now. Uh, That it's not really there. Just if you don't think about it, it's going to go away. Well, Nehemiah didn't believe that. And he didn't take that, uh, that tack. He, uh, as he moved forward, it was, uh, uh, it was just amazing. As, he, as, as we said before, he went from the prayer stage to the planning stage. He didn't try to wish away his opposition. While he prayed, he took action to make sure his people would be safe. While he prayed, he took action to make sure his people would be safe. Nehemiah 4 and I. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. I just love that. We prayed, but he went a step further. What did he do? He posted a guard. He did those things that he could do in order to ensure that the people were going to be safe. Not only did he pray, he planned, and he also took action. Nehemiah posted guards in strategic locations. He developed a system where at any given time, half of the people were working on the wall, half of the people were guarding and protecting them. I love the way he described how his laborers were working. Uh, Nehemiah 4.17, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. What great advice that is. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be trouble. There are going to be trials. Take your weapons with you, but go to battle. Do those things that God has called you to do. Do you see how following Nehemiah's example might just help us overcome adversity while striving to achieve goals that God has set for us? With a combination of prayer and planning, we don't need to fear obstacles. We're able to overcome them. But what was the result of Nehemiah's prayer and his planning? Well, the wall was completed in 52 days. In spite of powerful opposition on all sides, with God's help, the goal was achieved. The accomplishment was just amazing that the goal was achieved, that they had finished building the wall, that the people could now be protected. But it went a step further. And this is what we find as we trust God. Sometimes and a lot of the times he gives us even more than we had asked for. What the people were looking for was protection from these that were surrounding them. But God, in his graciousness, uh, Nehemiah 6.16, 6, 6, 
When our enemies heard about this, the completion of the wall, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Because of the way Nehemiah and his group approached this, they didn't get the glory for this great construction project. The people around them knew that the reason they were successful was because God was with them. And not only did they know that, but they had the right idea of fear of this God. They were no longer actively aggressing against Judah because they were afraid of what might happen because of how they saw God's power implemented primarily because of the prayer life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah faced adversity. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah did those things that needed to be done in order to accomplish the goal. You never see Nehemiah claiming to have done these things in his power. He always gave the power and the glory to God because he knew that with God as his partner, there was nothing that he could not do. It wasn't easy and it wasn't without cost. Nothing that's worthwhile is. So as we close this morning, let's take a minute and think about adversity that might be standing in the way of our accomplishing our goals. What's your attitude towards this adversity? Will you be afraid? Will you fear it to the point that you'll just turn and walk away? That you'll stop at praying for something? You'll stop before you actually take a step and try to do something about it? Or, or will you follow Nehemiah's example and implement that unbeatable combination of prayer and planning as you seek to face the adversity that either you're facing or you will face in your life. On your connection card, we've got a couple next steps that might help you to take what we've talked about today out the door and with you in your life. First, I would challenge you to be intentional about praying about adversity in your life that may be keeping you from reaching your goal. If there's something that's standing in your way, pray about it. Use Nehemiah's example. Remember who you're praying to. Take care of sin in your life, but pray about it. Second, seek wise counsel and develop a plan to defeat the opposition that's standing in the way of your goal. Go beyond prayer and add planning to it. And then another thing you might consider doing is memorizing Nehemiah 2.20. The God of heaven will give us success. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for... uh, this great example that you've given us in in Nehemiah and how he really is a hero of mine, Father. He uh, saw what was going on around him. He listened to you. uh, And he, he, he prayed to you and then he stepped out and did what he could to accomplish this goal. And then in the very end, as they were successful, Father, he continued to give you all of the praise and all the glory. And I would just ask for each of us here today, as we see adversity in our lives, as we see hurdles that we're going to have to jump over, hurdles that we're going to have to overcome, that we invite you in, Lord, that we recognize that you are creator God and that we get ourselves right with you by confessing sin. But we pray for your help, for your strength. And, Father, then we do those things that you lead us to do in order to defeat adversity. For it's your name we pray. Amen.